0: The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V that's A-A-F-M-A-A dot com slash l the number four V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who've gone before you. My name is Lori Norris and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military, and I'm on a mission to educate veterans in the job search marketing process. This podcast shares the military transition hot washes and after action reports of your fellow veterans to smooth your own path out of the military. Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. We are welcoming back Doctor Derek Moore. He, you may remember Derek from his military transition Q and A episode. It was episode twenty one, way back in season one. Feels like forever ago, right? Uh, Derek is back to share his lessons learned since his retirement from the U.S. Marine Corps back in twenty twenty one, and much like many veterans, Derek faced underemployment in his first job out of the military. He is here to tell us about his new role as the director of the Joint Military Leadership Center at University of South Florida and his keys to success. So welcome back, Derek.
1: Thank you, Lori. I appreciate you reaching out and wanting to become part of your lessons learned podcast again. I'm humbled. You might have some
0: things to share. So (laughs) very cool. Well, let's start it. Let's tell us about your transition because it sounds like May have had a little bit of a struggle. I know you and I have talked, and it was a little <laughs> bit of a challenge. So, tell us about your transition. You know, we haven't really talked to you since you were preparing to transition. So, tell us how it actually went.
1: Yeah, um, like you said, we did um, briefly. We we talked on the Lessons Learned podcast. That I reached out to you. Um, we kind of talked about how to navigate that 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 transition um, going into the civilian sector. You actually did me an amazing job at doing. Uh, My resumes, which, you know, obviously landed me where I'm at today, but really once I got out, I retired out in August, Uh, started my terminal leave, Um, actually physically, technically retired out in October, the end of October of 2021, Um, moved from North Carolina to Florida, which is a big challenge in itself, Um, just uprooting myself, really don't have no family members, but just really in itself, right, going to a new place. Not really understanding the, the climate. I knew I wanted to be down in Florida before there. Sunny weather, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, almost perfect weather, um, 365. Uh, but just really trying to navigate down here. So, some of the, just the struggles that I had coming down here is that um, a lot of the schools really weren't hiring. And if they were, they weren't hiring for something that we had discussed, right? I was looking for a role in some kind of leadership role, working with students, possibly. Uh, student veterans, something on that us uh, of trying to get into uh, a university setting. Um, so I think I was probably unemployed for about from August to about, I think it was May of 2022. Um, landed upon a kind of admissions role, front end admissions recruit and students for a local private university. Um, just going through really the sales tactics of trying to get kids to come into school uh, try to get them to enroll into any program. At that point, I was enrolling um, students for like business management, criminal justice, um, human resources—really, basic, you know, fundamentals of really just typical classes. Um, after about the third month there, I was just like, I just felt like I was really underselling myself as somebody that has you know twenty plus years of leadership experience, you know, soon to be completed with his doctorate degree. At that point. Um, I felt like I was really undervaluing my skills. Um, so I, I started to become miserable in a job. It was constantly uh, recruiting. It was a sales job in essence, right? And you do hear a lot of people on LinkedIn like, oh, sales is perfect for a lot of military people. They're good at talking to people. Me as an introvert, I think we talked about that last time. I don't really do well with talking on the phone for eight hours a day, Um so that's where I struggled. Like I, I I was I was beat at the end of the week. It was Fridays. I was just all talked out. I was done being, you know, extroverted. It, it really did take a toll on me um as to really what I was looking for. So then I started that process again of trying to, you know, look for another job. Uh it took a while. It took probably, I wanna say uh maybe almost a year before. I, uh, probably about a year and a s- couple months before I stumbled upon the job posting at the University of South Florida, and, um, I saw that it had a lot of resonance with my um, time at the University of Michigan. I think we talked about um, handling the ROTC kids, and I was like, "Wow, this is like a perfect job. Like, I would love to, yeah. you know, be that conduit between the university and the ROTC." And it's like, I've done it. I know what is expected out of that role. Let me just apply, see what happens. Um, it took a couple months, you know. As anything within higher ed, things just don't move at a fast pace. So, yeah, um, I was like, "Well, well, I, I guess you know it's not not a thing, right?" So, I kept on applying. I probably applied to, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds of jobs, thinking, "Hey, I can go anywhere in the country." And that was like my search base was open. We talked about it. Like, there were a couple of spots I applied at the University of Arizona, or Arizona State, and um, I actually had a you know, a couple of interviews at did, which I think we talked about for their veteran coordinator position, um, but just things didn't line up. So it was a while. It, it was a struggle. It was uh, definitely a test of resilience and persistence and be just have that mental, I guess, discipline to say, you know what, it's going to work out. And, you know, we talked... <laughs> We talk. I'm like, Hey, it's nothing's working out yet. Do you have any tips? And, you know, just really trying to set my mind at ease. I think a lot of veterans and somebody like, you know, my predicament, um, do you feel that constant pressure? Like, where do I go? This is not working out. How do we leverage, you know, LinkedIn? Or how do we leverage our connections to find that perfect job for us?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, like, if you think about, you were unemployed the first time for what, about eight months, if I remember correctly, eight or nine months, if I remember did the math right. Um, and that's not easy. And I, I'm I hear from a lot of people right now that they are unemployed. They're getting laid off and it is a period of unemployment. Any advice that you would give to somebody that maybe is facing unemployment right now and is feeling like they're the only ones, they're uh it's it's a personal thing. Like I, I just want you to I want people to hear that they're not alone in that and that it's not because they're bad or not valuable or not doing the right things like how did you make it through mentally positive
1: yeah i i really reached out to a lot of my connections that i had made during that time on linkedin Uh, a lot of those you know people that i considered as mentors you know i know i was probably blowing up your linkedin you know messenger and you know just other people like hey how do i just keep a sane mind how do I not just take whatever's available? Like there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go work at like retail for a while, right? Just to bring something in because, you know, retirement and, you know, disability doesn't really pay out in our, given our the economy that we live in today, things are tough, right? With inflation. So it's just really um, being patient. I know that's hard to say, but, you know, I spent almost eight months of being unemployed looking for a job and then, spent another year and a half in a job that I wasn't liking, but I stayed in because I knew the economy and the way it was. It's really just, you know, be patient. And and I know it's easier said than done, but I Mm -hmm. think just really looking back at mine, like I would go home and like, it's okay. Like things are going to work out. It's, you know, you don't stink. There's going to be something out there for you. Um, Open up your your search range, Uh, you know, lean on those connections that we have on LinkedIn, reach out to people, see if they're hiring. Uh, there's always somebody hiring, especially nowadays, really just utilizing those um, connections that we have.
0: Okay. You know, um well, just tell us really quick, tell us about your role at University yes. of South Florida and uh, what you're doing <laughs> there.
1: I am, as you said, the director of the Joint Military Leadership Center. So at the University of South Florida, we have uh, the ROTC units. We have uh, the Naval side, which encompasses both Navy and Marine Corps options, um, the Army, and then the Air Force. Um, these are students that are going to school full time um, who are seeking commission into one of the four branches of service. Um, they go through school, but they also have their curriculum based on the university that they have to ensure that they meet, um, for whatever branch of service that they're at. Right. So whether it's a leadership studies or some kind of minor that they might have, um, I oversee that, right. I'm the continuity between those units and the ROTC, those units, as well as the university, um, okay. anything they need, uh, university related, they go through my department. Um, we reach out to the university to say, Hey, you know, are we able to um, provide funds for this specific event? Or um, I have a student that's struggling. Do we have the academic resources, which they do? They have the tutoring in place. We find out the tutors. We make sure that they're set up for those units that are looking um, to either increase their test scores or just to get better at whatever subject area. So we really, my office serves as the conduit really just for the ROTC branches uh, operationally, per se, for, 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 for their needs.
0: And do you feel more valued, more utilized, more, do you feel like you're using your skills now?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, okay, just, good. you know, being in a higher education setting, uh, it's just really, it's amazing. I am surrounded by just people who are very resourceful um, and just really put the student first. So I do feel like just the skills that I have or have gained throughout my military service that I feel like they're being totally valued at this point.
0: And I'm just going to venture to guess that it was probably a pretty decent raise as well. So that's, oh, a, yeah. that's always good as well. Right. Especially, you know, that's a big part of underemployment it is it's not feeling valued. Right. So I would, I would say personally, and I've said it on here before, I feel like underemployment is one of the biggest issues that veterans face in their post military career. And I would define underemployment as being underutilized undervalued and underpaid for your skill levels, right? For your education, your experience, your knowledge that you bring to the table. So what do you think was the primary, were the primary causes for your first job, you being unemployed, underemployed, excuse me?
1: Yeah. um, I think for me, really, it was just trying to get into something, right? Just to make that money. Um, And then really just Bringing something in on top of that disability as well as that retiring in chat, just given the economy where it was back then, it was like, I just need to do something. And I felt like that was going to be the rewarding part of working with students and being able to just really mentor and mold them. But really, that's really wasn't what it was on that aspect for the job um, description that I was doing for that specific school.
0: Okay. So your issue was you feel like you took the first thing that was offered to you.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: And <laughs> did you con- did you keep looking, or did you just take the first thing that you were offered and just said, "Okay, I'm going to stop looking now"?
1: Um, at, you know, at that point when I first was hired on, I thought it was going to be something that um I was going to enjoy. Uh, but I think really just the, the 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 nature of the work itself really started to really it, it was a lot. Right? It mm-hmm. wasn't what I had expected. I thought I was going to do um more mentoring and more aspects of, you know, um, you know, student relationship aspects of that just really wasn't what I was getting into or what I got into at that point.
0: Okay. And so, you know, sometimes the first job we're offered is a great job. It's a dream job. (laughs) Um, but what I always tell people is don't feel like you have to jump at that first offer out of fear, right out of that, that, um, you know, that fixed mindset is, well, I've got to take what I can get while I can get it. And so there's nothing wrong also with accepting a job and continuing to look. Um, and and that probably, now you have that safety net, if you will, of the, having that job, but you can keep looking and uh, and keep, you know, seeing what else is out there and available to you. This is the this is a career transaction. It's not a marriage. We don't want to keep shopping around after we say, yeah, I do. But, but with a job, it, there's nothing wrong with being your own career manager and taking care of yourself and being selfish in that regard. Um, What part do you feel uh, maybe not translating your skills and not valuing your skills and maybe not effectively marketing yourself? How much did that play into that first job? Um, I,
1: I think it really did. I know we had spoke. I'm not sure if we had done the resume thing prior to that. I think we might've and not probably not. Yeah. Um, no. Just, I would definitely look for people like yourself who are experienced in translating those military skills into the civilian skills, because once you, uh, once you could did that, you know, that job for me, it just seemed like, yes, I was getting more bites. Um, I think, what you had translated for me allowed myself to not feel as undervalued after our conversation, you know, Hey, how are we going to really leverage your skills and translate it into this for what you're looking for? Uh, I would definitely really uh, for experience, just looking at the, the advice I would give people is look for people like yourself who are able to help us translate those services, help us translate our skills into civilian jobs because, you know, honestly, once you had done that for me, yeah, it took a while, but then, like you said, um, we have a job, so we can look, and we don't have to just settle for that job that comes our way. And I, you know, I did have a lot more interest once I had that resume rebuilt for me to be able to facilitate um, my experience and being able to translate everything over into into the civilian sector.
0: So you know, I remember you said that Princeton, you were in in talks with Princeton at one point, um, and that just didn't line up, but. Do you think that Princeton would have called you on your first resume?
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Definitely not. What would you
0: say is the biggest difference between the resume you got, you landed that first job with and the resume you used to land this job? What was the biggest difference in those two, would you say?
1: I think the translation skills, like you helped me really identify who I was as a person and put that also on paper um, while also looking at my experience and making sure that those leadership skills were put in, right? That wasn't there before. My previous resume really just had like you know kind of my experiences within it. It had like kind of what I did throughout my time in the military. It wasn't as detailed and really tailored, I would say, based on what the job yeah. function that I was looking for for my career.
0: So I would say like a couple of things from that, right? Definitely translate your military experience. Definitely like really look at your your experience and don't you know, like I always say, don't just it, right? Like I was just doing my job or I was just this, right? Um, Because, you know, you have to really think about the value of that as opposed to the just of it. Um, And then also like put your personality into it, right? So I think your personality and who you are at your core was really in that kind of that second version, if you will. And so don't be afraid to put some of that in there. Um, the appropriate parts, of course, right? But, but yeah, I mean, I think it's there's nothing wrong with making sure that your resume is yours and yours alone. I think those are important things. So, any other advice, like differences that you saw that you want to mention? Yeah. Between um, the two,
1: but between the two resumes? Yeah. Re- mm-hmm. Really, just um, understanding who we are as people to be able to talk to that to people like yourself so that that way, you know, people like you can be able to capitalize off what we're trying to communicate while also using our leadership or our past experiences to really get us to where we want to be, right? Because otherwise we're not really being open, being communicative to what we're looking for based on what we really have. Right. We're just selling ourselves short in essence.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I think is you're not used to selling yourself. Right. And it's I think that's a hard thing to get past is like, oh, this is a sales process. But because um, sales feels like we're doing something wrong, you know, but really what what a great salesperson does is they see someone's needs and they create a presentation on a product that shows that that product meets those needs. It doesn't have to be false. It really like if you're really doing a, a good in, a job with integrity in sales, you're you're talking to someone about how a product can meet exactly their needs. And that's really what you're doing in the job search process is you're not making stuff up. You're not falsifying information. You're simply looking at your employer, your future employer, and saying, here are the things that I know I could bring to you. Um, and so it's not, you know, we're not selling used cars. We're selling our value as an employee, right? What makes you worth the money they're going to pay you? Yeah, That's really what you have to think about, right?
1: Definitely. And I think for a lot of people, you know, I know speaking for myself is that I'm I'm a very humble person. So really just to be able to say, yeah, I'm great at XYZ for me. I'm just not that's just not who I am. So just open yourself up, allow yourself to be great for a little while, uh, especially while trying to translate those skills that you had in the military and trying to put them on paper.
0: I always say is it's not bragging if it's a fact. (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> and if you can back it up with examples and stories yep. and metrics and statements or th- that prove it it becomes a fact and you're just simply telling people the facts of what make you good at what you do so there's nothing wrong with say i'm good at this you don't have to say i'm the best at it <laughs> and you will die if you don't hire me right that that's <laughs> going beyond to arrogance and bragging but it's okay to tell people what you're good at so absolutely okay and any like differences in your job search methods of how you landed the first role versus the second one,
1: I think for me it was being able to open up my search. I have the luxury, or I had the luxury, and still do. If I you know were to look in the future, that I'm able to open my search out to the entire country. Like I'm not just specifically um, leaving myself open to like to the Tampa, Florida area. I can just you know, I I don't have anybody else to worry about. So I think that's what I had going for me. I can say, open up the network of searches, look in California, if you want to find your top five states that you're willing to go live in, and apply for jobs there, right? So that's what I did. It's, you know, opening myself up to not just look in a specific geographic area, because sometimes that just limits us to where we can be, right? It limits us to those opportunities, it really just limits us to that growth. It, you know, every region's different based on the job opportunities that presents itself. So if you can or if there's transitioning uh, service members can open up that job search, definitely do that. And you will find yourself uh, with a lot more options and a lot more possibilities for potential career.
0: And I have to tell you, I'm sorry you didn't make it here to Arizona because we have sunshine and we don't have alligators so you should have <laughs> you know should have tried harder on that u of a and asu so <laughs> and then we could have met for coffee every once in a while so darn it <laughs> but i guess florida's okay too whatever it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so any kind of um like job search or military transition advice you want to offer those who are preparing to make this same transition that you've made
1: um there are a are right obviously those networks that we have LinkedIn's the best tool that I could have possibly got into. Um, and again, it's getting past that uncomfortable feeling with reaching out to strangers in that specific um, career group that you're looking to get into, right? Um, for me, I knew it was higher ed. Um, so really just, you know, higher education and finding out leaders in specific colleges that I thought I might be interested in and just saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about a career in higher ed. Do you have five to 10 minutes to have, you know, virtual coffee? Can you tell me a little bit more about X, Y, and Z? It's really everything that everybody's saying. You just have to be proactive in doing it. Um, Nobody's gonna come to you and say, hey, Lori, I see that you're looking for a job. What can I do for you? It's really us. Um, And that's where I had to get out of my comfort zone to be able to go out, seek out these professionals, seek out people in those specific career fields that I knew I wanted to get into um, to really leverage. pick their brains to find out, you know, what were you doing? How can I leverage that? What are you looking for? Um, Are there roles open in your specific area that you are looking for, for somebody like myself with X, Y, and Z credentials? Uh, it's really just networking that, that, that ability and that leverage within that career field that we are looking to get into.
0: I think you made a really good point about like, you put yourself out there more, didn't you? Like, you know, you yeah. use LinkedIn and you know, um, yes, yeah, sometimes people put their LinkedIn out there and they get off. They <laughs> get jobs that come to them. It does happen. It really does. I've seen it happen on multiple occasions, but the more you're out there and communicating with people that you are looking, that you are open, that you're having those conversations, those informational interviews, that you're commenting on things, you're posting on LinkedIn, the more visible you are. And um, we don't want you to be the best kept secret out there, right? We want everyone to like see, oh, I know exactly the candidate I want to go to if I'm looking for someone in higher ed. Um, And I think that you did a really good job of communicating what you did best and what you were looking for in, you know, kind of leading up to landing this role. And so, yeah, don't be passive. Don't just sit by and wait for people to come to you. You've got to be proactive and take an active part in this process so that's that's good advice okay so your specialty is working with students right that's kind of what you did in the Marine Corps and what you're doing now Um, for anybody who's listening who is considering maybe going back to school full-time after the military any advice you want to leave us with for uh, you know a student that could optimize their success in their post-military education journey
1: Definitely. Um, I just had a conversation with somebody who considers me their mentor that I've known for forever. Um, looking to get into school because they know that they have to get that done in order to make themselves more, at least somewhat marketable. Right? If mm-hmm. not, find a trade that you're interested in, and then when you get out, know that that's what you want, or get a certificate. Really, um, find what you're looking for. If it's higher edge, find out the degree set that they're. They are considering that they will consider as the minimum qualifications for that specific job, Um, and then go from there, right? If it's just a bachelor's degree or a master's graduate degree, go ahead and look for those, right? Or if it's something within that project management aspect, I know there are many great leaders out there that um, get you to the PMI Institute, right? Project management, sir. Um, Find out what works best for that specific company. What are they looking for? what degree sets, what certificates, and go after those now. It will make your job that much easier when you get out, uh, and you're not struggling and trying to finish that degree and wasting two or three years of just doing jobs that you don't like. Start now. If you're still in the military, the military is going to pay for your schooling. Use it, even if it's a 911 GI Bill, if that's what we're still using. I don't know. I feel like I'm so... <laughs> um, out of the loop on that, but just use it. It's there for you to use, find out what you like, get into it, start completing a degree or the certificates needed to get into the specific career fields that you're looking at. Um, and go and tackle them. Don't be scared of them. Make it, make it happen. You have to make the time. Otherwise it's just going to be a whole lot harder for yourself once you get out of, Seeing people say, oh, I wish I got this two or three years ago. Now I'm struggling to complete this. Nobody will look at me, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I, if there's any advice, really just start now. Uh, find out what you're looking to get into. Even if you don't know, like I knew I wanted to, to get into higher ed at some point, just didn't know where, um, but find something that um, you really look at Find out the minimum qualifications and start working on those right now.
0: You know, I think you just starting is really good advice. Like, It's like such a huge, tall mountain to climb to go from, you know, not having a degree to like you have your doctorate. Um, but you're never going to get there if you don't put one foot in front of the other. Like, I think I've told told this story before, but I just remember my daughter and I, she was like 10 or 11. We um, went to the Grand Canyon. We We went down into Indian Garden in the Grand Canyon, which isn't quite the bottom, but it's about five, six miles down. And the next morning we go to, we slept in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. The next morning we go to leave to like, you know, we got to go up, right? And she sat, stood there at the bottom and looked up at the canyon and what was ahead of us. And she just started to cry. And she said, I don't want to. I'm like, well, honey, it's not going to be easy. But the only way we're going to get out of here is if we just start and I'll be right there with you every step of the way, but we can't get out of here until we start. No one is coming to get us because they don't do that at the Grand Canyon. It is a self-rescue <laughs> trail. And so we're like, we just got to go. And so we made it. <laughs> so, But I just like, think about that. And, you know, when there is something so huge in front of you is the only way you're ever going to make any progress is to just put one foot out there and just, you know, every day, one foot forward, you know, so. Um, thankfully, we did more than one step that day and we got out of the canyon in a couple of hours. But, you, you know, it is a scary, daunting task, but it is possible. So but hopefully she'll remember that someday. <laughs> she faces other things ahead of her. So. And
1: that's a that's a great point. Just seeing the end of it, like I'm only let's say a year into my degree set and I left because of whatever reasons. How am I ever going to do, you know, three more years of school and then? you know I work full time and I got kids and I got a wife and I want to have a life it's really you have to make that time you have to make that personal sacrifice because in the end it's really going to be worth it um yeah. for me I never thought I'd go get my doctorate but I knew I wanted to work in higher ed and I knew with the respect of that level of that doctorate comes like now you know in higher ed that's just what it is people got PhDs everywhere and it's more of like hey this is Dr. So this is Dr. it's not because I felt like I was entitled to that or whatever. I just, for me as a personal, uh, to the personal gain, being the first person in my family to go to college and then, then I get a graduate degree. And then now to become a doctor for me, it was just personal gain. It wasn't because I wanted to, I had to, I just, I liked the challenge and the challenge was there. And I had that opportunity to do it and I made that sacrifice. So, um, I felt like whatever those sacrifices are for individuals, it's, uh, put that step forward, look at it. Yes, it might seem like an insurmountable task, but um, once you finish, you're going to be like, wow, that was that was amazing. Yeah, you know I what? I did that. <laughs> yeah, it stunk, and I took a lot of family time away, which a lot of us military people feel like, you know, the holidays, being deployed, like that's what you're away from. family. So being schoolwork, they probably have that same mindset, but it definitely is worth it on the back end.
0: Yeah. So for you, if you're listening and you have a Grand Canyon, you have a doctorate <laughs> degree ahead of you, right? You've got something big. Like, just think about what what are your steps? Like, map it out, right? Like, So if I'd gone the wrong direction on the trail that day, we would have gone further down into the Grand Canyon. So, you know, if you had taken three years off, it would have taken you longer to get to your doctorate degree. So think about, like, what is your big task ahead of you and how can you kind of create a path forward so that you're making progress on it and it's just you know sometimes we forget right like how far we've come and so I made a point as we were climbing out of the Grand Canyon that day to have her stop and look back I'm like do you see those trees right there that's where we came from like look how far we've come and then you know and then we would look up and go okay that's where we're going next right and so it's just a matter of like Give yourself credit for what you've accomplished already along your trail, and uh, and really keep your eyes on what your what your goal is. So yeah. I mean th- that's all great advice. So well, it's great to see you again. No. I'm glad you're doing well and you like your new job. And uh, you know whether it was the a direct path to your job or not, <laughs> at least you made it there, right? So
1: definitely. No, I appreciate you having me on again, Lori. Um, and if yeah. Anybody wants to reach out, please reach out. I'm sure you'll put it in your post comments and stuff like yeah. that, but I'm always looking to help mentor somebody or just be that ear to listen to you or provide some sound advice. Anybody looking to get into higher ed, let me know. I know it's probably, I don't know, not but not too many people looking to get into
0: higher ed, but definitely
1: uh, I'm, I'm here to help out in any way possible.
0: Thank you so much, Derek.
1: Thank you, Lori. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help you in your military transition, then I've done my job. Please don't keep this podcast a secret. Share it with as many of your active duty service member friends and transitioning veterans who may be struggling with that process as possible. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and join our YouTube channel so you don't miss any lessons that we share.